Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. About the future innovations and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is Ryan Treasure. I'm filling in for Jeff today. He's out there taking over the world. As you know, he's the CEO and president of World Talk Radio, home to the voiceamerica.com internet talk radio family. And uh, welcome everybody to the show. We have a a, a fantastic special show for all of you today. Uh, You know, we're going to kind of continue down this line of uh, speaking to some fantastic uh, uh, female thought leaders across the space. And uh, I know uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an interview. Uh, we talked about work-life balance for you know moms and dads and being able to uh, you know kind of hone in that time where you can still be a productive executive uh, uh, but also still make time for that soccer game uh, on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening and all that good stuff so we're going to continue that today uh, talking a little bit about uh, some other stuff as it relates to children with our fantastic guest we have today. For more than 20 years, Rena Patel has had the privilege of working with families and children, supporting all aspects of education and positive wellness. Uh, Patel has worked extensively with developing children as well as children with exceptional needs, supporting their academic, behavioral, and social development. Thank you so much for joining us, Rena. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out to sit down with us and have a little conversation. And, you know, as we were kind of uh, uh, doing a little chat right before the interview, we were kind of talking about, you know, what finding a frequency is and and what the show is all about. And, you know, so I kind of want to just, you know, start from the beginning. Let's go back to where it all started for you. And let's talk about what what did that road look like for you as you, you know, moved into uh, working with kids and and helping out uh, kids that, you know, have uh, uh, social development and helping them out, uh, the ones that have exceptional needs. Tell us how that all started. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to take this back even further, um, just even with myself. And um, here I am so many years later with um, multiple degrees and, and, and highly professional. But going back all the way when I was a young girl in elementary school, um, I struggled. I was just a different learner. And this was in the early 80s. And we didn't, um, it was just a different educational environment. Um, So moving along through my college path, um, once I figured out and and had the supports in place, um, I was pretty much uh, was able to um, find my what worked for me as a a learner. And, And along that path, I met a lot of um, unique individuals and had uh, developed a niche uh, over at UCLA at the Neuropsychiatric Hospital. Um, they have a, what's called an early partial day program and I just took a summer internship while I was doing my graduate school work at Loyola Marymount and I um, fell in love with individuals with um, special needs, specifically autism. I worked there for a few years and decided that I wanted to specialize and work exclusively with children who had challenges in learning, who, um, whether it was a a learning disability or had um, cultural uh, uh, differences in terms of coming to um, the States, I really wanted to Figured out, figure out a way that they would learn and progress um, best, and that also included their social um, and emotional wellness. Oh wow! So you've really been, you know, kind of since the onset of your your career, just really honing in on helping out some of the special needs children, and you know, kind of figuring out what they need. You know, I gotta I gotta give you, you know, a, a, a massive amounts of kudos for the amount of patience I know that working with some children uh, with special needs has. I mean, I have a five year old who doesn't have special needs, and I barely muster the patience to deal with that <laughs> from time yeah. to time. So, man. <laughs> Much, well, much kudos to you. Oh, I appreciate that. And one thing, um, you know, I'm a behavior analyst and I specialize in behavior. And one of the things 
um, that is quite fascinating is whether it really doesn't matter what your challenges are. And I tell parents this all the time, a child um, with special needs, a child who doesn't have special needs, we all exhibit some form um, of challenging behavior, um, whether it is um, not complying to our parents telling us to do something or having oh, a hard time completing that, that, our homework. That first one right Those there is my life every day of the week. You know, I, Marley, Marley, can you please sit down and do your homework? You got homework to do, but I want to do this. No, we got to do homework first and we got to go through that every single day. Yeah. So uh, as you as you kind of look back at your career and and you know your your you know moving through, where did you uh, where did that your company come from? Like what does, what made you decide that you wanted to found uh, your own company, uh, which is called Autism, right? A U T I Z M. Yeah, Autism and More um, is a subset of my own private um, practice because I'm an educational psychologist and a counselor and. Um, and um, also an author. And what I did should I be should I be sitting on a couch right now while I talk <laughs> to you? <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Um, um, but just working, I worked over twelve uh, years in a public in a school district, and um, I wanted to branch out. I just was thinking outside the box, and, and I had already developed programs for schools, understood education, worked with a lot of principals and teachers, but really wanted to um, go private and. Uh, work with more families and again looking beyond special needs the special needs population because anything that I was doing in terms of supports uh, and interventions um, could really benefit all of us and it really is a global approach and that's why I'm a big believer in, in what's called positive parenting and and working with families. And so I opened up my own practice and um, working and consulting with um, larger corp, you know, districts and uh, working with um, organizations and also um, working directly with families, making sure um, we find out what's meaningful for them and um, looking at the whole child, um, not just their education, but their social and emotional well-being um, and making sure that they're um, just a cohesive group, uh, that they're um, you know, kindness and compassion is really my theme. Yeah, and so that's and let's let's talk about that a little bit because I think you know, um, you said you were you were like in school in the in the early '80s, is what you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you and I are probably right around the same age, right? I I went to school. I, my my early childhood was in the early '80s as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, graduated high school in the in the '90s, and yeah. um, you know, there's been a shift, you know, really in the way that I think people are involved, you know, with their kids. Um, you know, I, 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 when I was growing up, I was no stranger to catching a paddle. I went to a private school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and back when I went to private school, um, the principal of the private school could paddle you, you know? Right, and, that was uh, a form of discipline, right? right. And, and I was a very strong-willed child. Uh, and so I found myself getting paddled, no, oh, I would say at least once a week. You know, right. at, at the oh, private gosh, school. That's hey, hey, you know what? I'm I, and I I hold no ill will. I have no you know emotional scarring or anything like that. That well that I know of um, because of any of that. But I just there's a shift, you know. And when you talk about positive parenting, obviously swatting your kid with a paddle is obviously not positive parenting. Um, right. But, but seeing that shift, I think a lot of people, you know, maybe don't know where to start. Maybe they don't quite understand what true positive reinforcement is because you know because. Can you kind of maybe break that down for the parents that might be listening? Well, I mean, that's an excellent question. And it's a question that I get often. And, um, you know, using a paddle or even um, putting a child in timeout, those are all considered punishment procedures. And it's it's a big P word. And oftentimes people don't like to talk about it. Um, but punishment really is not effective. Research support says it's not effective over time. Yes, for that split moment, um, a child or an individual will stop doing what they were doing or they shouldn't have been doing, um, but it's not effective in the long run. And so um, positive reinforcement is pretty much um, isolating the specific behaviors, the things that, you know, almost like I always say, catch them making good choices and making sure that that individual, that child knows that that is exactly the behavior you wanted to see, um, uh, put cleaning up their toys, for example, uh, and praising them for it because the likelihood that they're going to do it again, they, they like that feeling. They, they want to please, um, mm-hmm. that they'll do it again. And so um, that's really more, that's just effective. It's more effective over time. Now, do we punish our kids? Of course we do. But I always say, um, you know, sometimes you do have to take things away or sometimes they do have to sit in, in a take a break situation with what I call a timeout. Oh, yeah. um, but always pair it with something um, 
that they can work towards and earn um, and shape it. Um, so, positive like, so an example of that might be something like, you know, oh, you know, the, the child isn't listening or complying to something that, you know, the child's being asked to do. And it might be, you know, uh, to be positive without, you know, having uh, any any, you know, harsh punishments. It might be, well, if you're not going to listen to me, then um, you, you know, like I do this with our daughter. She gets, um, you know, like a certain amount of t- free free play time. Right. And so then I'll just say, hey, if you're not going to listen, then I'm not going to allow you to have free play time or I'm going to take 10 minutes off of your free play time or you know, that type of thing. So we're not sitting in a corner. No one's getting a, a, you know, a spanking or, you know, anything like that. Is that, is that a good example? Well, I mean, those are still, um, th- those are still considered um, punishment okay. um, techniques. What I would recommend doing if you're sitting in a situation like that and a child, um, I like to use the word let's versus just you. And so I would just shift it and say, let's sit down and finish. Maybe you break it down a little bit. Maybe it's too much of a task that we've asked to do. For example, um, having their dinner. Let's have five more bites and then I will sit with you and, and, and read um, for a few minutes. And so really just focusing and shifting on um, the, you know, not using takeaway, not saying you're going to have to um, be reprimanded um, and fo- focus on the task, what it is that you want them to do, and then put some type of motivation or reinforcer, um, pair it with something like that um, is highly effective. Ah, good stuff. I hope you guys are all listening and taking notes. I sure am. <laughs> You know, um, I guess this is kind of a good segue as we, you know, kind of talk about positive parenting and, and all of that. And, you know, we were talking, you know, a little bit about how things have kind of shifted over time from, you know, this corporal type of punishment with kids like when I grew up, you know, versus how I'm trying to raise my daughter. I do, uh, you know, no one's perfect. You're always making, uh, you know, adjustments to your parenting style. And my wife and I were having this conversation uh, yesterday. She works here at, uh, at Voice America as well. And uh, we were having a conversation with some of our uh, younger millennial cohorts that run radio shows. And, you know, one of the things that that came up is, you know, we were just kind of like, wow, things are just so much different now the way that, you know, everybody is and, you know, always trying to do the best thing. And I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I got to be honest, being a parent is literally the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. It is. There's no, (laughs) there's no manual there. I you know, there's no right a wrong way. I always tell parents, you know your children the best. And so you just want to guide with, um, you know, compassion, like I said, compassion and kindness, be very nurturing. Um, but you do the best that you can and, and hope that our kids, when they're older, they look back at us and say, mom and dad, you did the best that you could. And, you know, and I, and I love you for that because we make, it's okay to make mistakes. That's, I do it every day. Yep. I drove my son to school the other day and, and, and pulled him out of the car and realized I didn't have his shoes. And so I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. You know, so we make mistakes and yep. it's important for our kids to see our mistakes mistakes because um, there's a lot of pressure already for them. You know, we're in a world full of um, anxiety provoking situations and, and letting our children know that we're doing the best that we can um, with just love and intention that, uh, that it's important for them to see that. Yeah. So I was reading in some of the information that you had, um, do you guys do uh, like parenting workshops for new parents uh, in your area to to kind of teach some of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. What's great about my practice is I'm virtual and um, I have clients who are international as well. Oh, that's fantastic. uh, Yeah. So I do um, individual workshops. I do larger um, uh, workshops and I tailor it like as I was saying before, every parent, every family dynamic is so different. We have similar challenges, but it's important for me to know what your goals are as, as a whole unit and, um, and customize my services based on that. So I not only see um, clients within my city, but I do have a large um, population of uh, families and, and children that I work with um, virtually. Oh, that's really cool. You'll have to uh, send me information on that. Uh, I'm, I'm always trying to learn and, and, and you know, soak up knowledge and, and be the best parent that I could be. So I'd love to check out some of your classes. That'd be great. Absolutely. All right, let's shift gears here just a little bit, right? Um, I know earlier we were talking about some uh, some screen time, and uh, you just you just wrote uh, an article about some screen time. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, it's just uh, I don't want to call it an epidemic, uh, but it is pretty <laughs> much. Uh, it takes uh, think about us the minute uh, you know I, I'm talking to you, and I've got um, you know about three or four devices in front of me, uh, so I've 
the screens are um, a big challenge and it's really trying to find that balance and they're you know there's research out there and mm -hmm. i was you know, the american academy of pediatrics um, in, in 2016 they changed this um, to about 18 months and under um you know it's important not to have any um devices or screens in front of your child um prior to that it was two years of age and i still would stick with the two years of age and the reason being is is their brain their cognitive skills are still developing their um sensorial skills you know their ability to touch tactile toys and feel things that kind of cause an effect like if i push something what's going to happen and when they're in front of the screen i mean it's just passive learning and so um, it's a huge difference from where we were even 20, 25, 30 years ago. And um, it's- yeah, we, we, uh, You and I didn't have any screens. Yeah, we did, <laughs> we did it. If it was the television, I mean, it was, it was just that and it was probably in one, one room, right? And so it's, it's everywhere, it's very accessible. Um, what they're finding I had to turn mine with a dial. Oh yeah. Remember the, the dial and the antennas. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> click, 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 yeah. and then the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like hard to watch TV. So I'm like, I'll go outside and ride my bike. This is silly. <laughs> I know, trying to manipulate the antenna on the top of the television. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's very, it's so much more accessible. It's it's um, portable. Uh, and you know, it, it, what's interesting, Ryan, is also um, I don't know if you've noticed is when you go to the movies, the previews are so much quicker now because people, you know, individuals' attention spans are um, are just less, and they've seen um, they've done MRI scans and have seen um, they did a study actually um, with. Uh, I want to, I don't want to, I can't, I don't know what off the top of my head the quote, but um, in terms of where the source is and I can get that information, but they did a study where they looked at MRIs of, of adolescents and their brain um, just looked different. They're developed, they're just uh, neurons of pathways were so different versus um, individuals who um, watched less, um, had less than seven hours uh, a day of screen That's time. So seven hours? it's the National Institute of Health. I, my, I'm like seven hours of screen time. That's a lot. Uh, what? Well, if you actually look at your phone now, this is an interesting thing because people think that that's a lot. Uh, if you actually, I, when I work with teens and even parents, I'll mm -hmm. have them look at their devices and look at their screen time hours. You could easily hit about five hours a day. All right, so let's do a, um, a, a in real time, let's break down Ryan Treasure and Angie Treasure's household screen time uh, with Marley Treasure, which is our daughter, right? So we get up in the morning, uh, this is the routine. Let's, so let's see if we're, if we, if we were even coming close, right? Uh, okay. Not my screen time, because that's off the charts. <laughs> I'm in front of a computer like, you know, 10 hours a day. I'm looking at a screen, that's all I do. I edit on a screen. <laughs> Uh, so let's see for, for Marley, let's just kind of let, let's, uh, real time. Right. So we get up in the morning, um, before we go eat breakfast, we all like to watch the news together because we like to watch the weather. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, the three of us will watch the news together. That's about 15 minutes, right. For the news segment. Okay. Right. And then, and then the TV's off. We're, 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 we're done with screen for that time. And then we're off to the kitchen. We have breakfast. And then at that point, then we're, uh, you know, getting ready for school. Uh, she's in kindergarten. Um, and then, then we go to school. So that's the only screen time in the morning would be that 15 minutes. Of, right. Of, Is of anyone TV. checking their phone or checking their emails or well, I am, I, I am always okay. looking at my phone. Okay. So does that matter too? Like if they see yes. you on your screen? Yes. Got yes. It. So, so it's very important for us to model the behaviors we expect from our kids. And so we are not giving them undivided attention. And then you're going to see increase in behaviors because they're trying to gain our attention. Um, but being in front of our, I mean, that, having your phone oftentimes will wake up and I have a habit of this is where is my phone is right next to me. And that's the first thing that I do is check my email. Yeah. My phone's my alarm clock. Yes. And my phone is my alarm clock. And so the uh, first thing I always say is put your phone in the bathroom, you know, don't make it so accessible. Uh, with my daughter who's in high school, she's 15. Her phone needs to be out in the hallway. You know, it, it's just, you don't need it. Um, it. It needs to be harder to get to. But yeah, that is considered screen time, looking at your iPads, looking at your um, iPhones or your smartphones. So what is, a for, for a young kid, like five, six, seven years old, what, what is an appropriate amount of screen time? Do you, do you guys, have, have you guys kind of honed yes. that in? Yes, I mean, there's actual research on this, but two, um, two to five year olds, you have to um, do no more than an hour a day. 
and they want parents, you know, to watch and really um, foster that understanding because again, they don't all necessarily understand what they're watching. And so you need to have that dialogue. You need to have that discussion. Um, kids who are between the ages of eight and 11, uh, they had a, a study out and they were up to 11 hours, um, 11 hours wow. per day. And so people are, are really shocked by these numbers and findings. Yeah, my, now, my daughter has a tablet, but um, the only thing she's allowed to do on the tablet, is she can only do two things on the tablet. Um, number one is she can play chess, right? Digital chess. Uh, and mm -hmm. the second thing she can do is um, ABC Mouse. And there's no movies, no cartoons, you know, right. none of that. It's just those two things. Do you think that in a case like that, is um, uh, a parent like myself, am I being too strict when I do allow her screen time by limiting what she's allowed to do? Or um, is it a good thing to keep her focused on an educational activity? Or should I allow her the opportunity to watch uh, 30 minutes of, uh, you know, Shimmer and Shine cartoon? Well, I mean, Ryan, those are great questions. And that's what these some of these more longitudinal long-term studies are really looking at. But the reality is, is a lot of educational tools um, are so much more accessible for us um, as educators and as parents. Um, so I personally think that it's okay to have, I mean, within the time frame that, like I said, within an hour for considering all of that, um, if they are going to be using screens, why not have it be something that they can gain information? Right. That's, um, that was my thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, you monitor it, right? You have the conversation. If they're doing something, ABC Mouse or Khan Academy or, or um, playing a chess game, um, you know, it's, it's, important to still have the dialogue the face nothing's going to beat face-to-face -face conversation right? right so we want to check in we want to check for understanding what what it is what is it that they really took away from this uh and um and and it's most schools a lot of schools now are their their um books which is a good thing are are on their ipads yeah and my daughter's school is like that too so then you have that screen time too Yes. Yeah. And so it's just important to find the right balance. Um, I, I like that it's there, but I just don't want it to take up, you know, a huge percentage of their day where they're missing those social cues and they're not developing those relationships um, with their peers and they're not going outside and just moving about and, and having that physical activity. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a really important uh, feature. We did an interview with um, he's the he's a professor at Missouri University, Mizzou, I believe, something like that. I, it was a couple of weeks ago, but he's the uh, like the academic doctorate there. And uh, he was saying the same thing, like, you know, it's really important that, yes, you, you want your kids to be smart and you want them to, you know, take good classes and educate and learn to read and write and all those types of things. But, you know, he said that, you know, if you're spending you know, six, seven, eight hours a day on education, you know, you also have to make sure that you're spending, you know, 60 minutes at least at a minimum a day uh, uh, with the kids out doing something physical because they've got to, you know, not just, you know, advance their mind, but they've also got to advance their physical abilities as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just... Um leisure skills. I mean, that's what it is. Developing family leisure skills. And you can even, one of the recommendations I um, tell families too, is when you create your family rules for the house, when you create what you're going to do, put on there the activities, the physical activities that you're going to do as a whole family. So whether it is going out and shooting hoops, whether it is um, going, <laughs> riding bikes, make sure you put it on there because it just holds everybody accountable. So I'm going to give, uh, I'm, 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 I want your opinion on, um, our family has five rules at our house, right? One, two, three, four, mm -hmm. five. I ask my daughter all, all the time. What is, what is rule? Like, okay, let's say I absolutely hate whining. It drives me nuts. Right. When, when, and, and little girls are very emotional. Right. So our number one rule is no whining, right? No whining, no crying, no temper tantrums. That's the first three rules. Listen and learn everything. Those are our five rules um, that we, we, we go by every day. And so whenever she gets to a point where she's not listening, it's, Hey, do you remember what rule number four is? Yes. It's listening. Well, you're not doing that right now. Um, is that an effective strategy? Um, it is. I mean, setting the more, the, the more clear you are with your limits and and um, what you're expecting to see, it's just it's just better. And I again, I'm coming from a positive perspective. So instead of saying no, I would probably put on your rule what it is that you want to see. So instead of no whining, I would probably say use your words. Um, so ah. I just kind of shifted a little bit. So then I can reinforce them when I do see the behavior. See, and that's why you're the behavioral specialist, and I'm the radio guy. <laughs> But you, but but it's fabulous because those are the areas that 
that we do want to see, um, you know, to, to not see. Uh, in terms of the negative behaviors. But yes, I recommend kind of shifting those words. And um, I love how you're connecting them back with with your family rules. And just, you know, rules should be very clear. And they should also know what the consequences are if they don't follow the family rules. Um, so what, what would happen? You know, do they get a warning? Does it nothing happen at all? Or do they have something? No, yeah, we definitely, you know, I know, I know you we were talking about punishment alternatives, but you know, we for for lack of a better term, I guess we do we have punishments for those things. So if we've, you know, had an instance where, you know, uh, we're not listening uh and we've had a conversation about it and you know, we're you know, now I've asked maybe four times or so to not listen. Then we start getting into the, hey, if you're not going to listen to what I'm going to say, then you're not going to be able to do whatever it is, you know, uh, some activity that she likes. I've, I've taken toys away. Like she has a toy box, right? And it's in her room and I'll, I have no problem saying, hey, if you're not going to listen to me, then I'm not going to, th then you can't, then uh, you can't go in your toy box after dinner. You know, we're going to go yeah. straight to bed. We're not going to do yeah, that. No, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you we pick and choose our battles. And I think um, my wife tells me that all the time. God bless her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 what I'm listening, what I'm also hearing from you is you, you sound pretty firm, you're very consistent, which is great. I mean, you don't want to have too much emotional up and down reactions when you're responding to your child. You also might be having a meltdown as well. You just been very calm. You know, use those phrases and um, reminders. And I mm -hmm. think um, that what you're doing is great. Yeah. Meltdowns. Those were really a big issue, like three and four years old. Not quite so much of an issue now. Um, however, I, I have noticed a lot, too, that, you know, she's becoming extremely independent. It's like, you know, hey, let's go put our shoes on. No, dad, I could do this. Or, uh, no, I'm, I'll do this myself. Um, you know, I want to put a ponytail in my hair and I'm like, all right, well, come over here. I'll help you put the, po no, I'm going to do it myself. And I'm like, okay. Right. You know? And so it, it's funny because like she does these things herself and then you're like, I'm, you're proud of her cause she did it herself. But then her ponytails like off the side of her head and I'm like, Hey, great job. That looks fantastic. Even though in my head, I'm like, wow, that's a sideways ponytail. <laughs> Or it takes you a little bit longer to get from where you needed to be because they wanted to do it themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. So I've started to notice you have to have a pad of about fifteen minutes to transition from one thing to the other, so that way you don't end up with a, you know, a meltdown scenario. Because I've noticed that for me, especially or our daughter, it's really hard to get her to go from you know activity A to activity B, uh, you know, and then of course the biggest challenge that I have as a father and we have as parents at our house is just like when it's time to sit down and let's do something like homework. Um, you know, she's just her, her focus on these tasks are not quite there yet. So that's a, that's a challenge for us, but we've been working on, maybe this is silly. I don't know, but you know, we got to come home and do homework. So, um, we're practicing focusing, we're practicing on doing homework. We may not even have homework to do, but we're doing homework anyways, because we're practicing how to do homework. Yeah, you're getting ready to learn. Um, and yeah. those are great work ethics. I love that, of, of course. I mean, please do that at an early age. I mean, what our kids need to know by kindergarten is, 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 is up there. I was going to just say one thing about, um, about um, choices. Providing your children with choices how, um, oftentimes helps, um, you know, to not have those meltdowns. And so making, you know, choices that both you and your wife can live with, you know, do you want number one? Do you want number two? Um, so uh, do you want to wear this or do you want to wear that? That really does put them in control. So they do feel like they're in charge and they have yeah, that autonomy. We try that too. And then this is what happens. All right, you have choice number one or choice number two. And she goes, I don't like either one of them. I want choice number three. <laughs> so that's the thing is you have to kind of have to assess, right? And figure out what it is that, that they're going to most likely uh, buy into. Yeah, and then we go, no, that wasn't one of the choices. You can't be making stuff <laughs> up. That's not how it works, sweetie. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. It's just so good to talk to you. I, I love just kind of talking about, you know, kids and, you know, things that we can all do as parents to do, you know, to do better. Um, Let's let's talk about the other part of your a, a part of what you do, you know, helping the, uh, you know, kids with autism and, you know, the special needs kids. We we have a health and wellness channel here on Voice America that uh, we, we have uh, uh, some stuff that we do with the autism community. Autism Spectrum is the name of the radio show. So we're, um, you know, advocates of uh, of spreading the message and helping people to gain knowledge, leveraging our media platform on those on those topics. One of our executive producers um, 
who's been with us for, I don't know, 18 or 19 years here, a little bit longer than I've been here, um, almost as long as the company has been uh, available. One of her daughter has autism and all that. So it's definitely something that's near and dear to us. Um, let's talk about that side. I know you wrote a couple of books around those topics. What, uh, what, what drove you to do that? So I am, you know, I've been working since 97 in the field of autism. And like I said, it was started at UCLA's neuropsych um, hospital. And um, it's, it was, it's a pervasive, it's a developmental disorder. Um, you tend to see it usually around two or three of age. I mean, nowadays we can spot it as early as 18 months, even earlier sometimes. Um, but language um, is, is a huge speed, their ability to speak. Um, some of their um, motor skills are delayed. Um, definitely their social ability. And you see certain um, unique behaviors that present along those lines as well. And and it's just been something I've been very close to. Like I said, the children that I started to work with, you just don't see anything physically going on, right? Right. Um, sometimes when you're pre- when you, I mean, when you're pregnant and you have um, and 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 genetic disorders or or Down syndrome, um, those are all challenging um, diagnoses as well. But the the difficulty that I've worked when I work with families is that they just don't know until a few years into their child's life that uh, they've got a child who. Um, who presents with ASD. And so that is just the grieving process that our families go with is, is so hard. Um, and so we're working with that. And then you also are wanting to make sure the importance of intervening very early, providing the supports and resources as early as possible is so important. I mean, it shows you can see huge differences in, in um, children as they're older, um, the fact that they've, um, the, families that have intervened early. And um, so I wrote a book. It was really important to me um, to make sure I'm a big proponent of inclusive societies, just being inclusive, no matter what your differences are. And um, my first, it does, it takes a village, Um, you know, sadly, you know, there's a large percentage of of parents who end up in divorce um, when you do have a child with special needs. And, um, and so it does really does take a village. It takes the school system. It takes the community. I mean, there are great support groups um, out there, but I working in the field myself, I felt limited on books that really looked at a different perspective taught our children who didn't have a disability or typical developing kids, how to interact with someone who had autism. And so that's where my friend Max came about. I wanted to create a story, write a book um, that really took not the child's with autism's perspective, but the perspective of a, a, a typical developing kiddo who had a child with a you know, friend with autism in their class. And, um, and that was Max. And so the story is really so sweet. It's about kindness and, and being inclusive and um, really um, helping one another out. And it really is a sweet story that I recommend. It's available on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. Now, are these, are these kids... Uh- books that like kids can read or are they uh, kids for adults yes they're targeted for age three to ten year olds Um, yeah i'm gonna run out of money because i've been interviewing all of these authors i did i interviewed a woman yesterday and she wrote um a book she has a rescue cat right and one of the things that she did with her rescue cat is she started to develop a story around the rescue cat and some of the challenges that she had with the rescue cat and the challenges that the cat had physically and then turning Uh those into positive stories like i'll give you an example the cat was born with like a weird funky eye um and so Uh she she wrote a book basically and it's like the story of the cat and how it has to get along with other cats and the other cats think it's weird because it has this you know so the moral of the story ends up being that you know kind of similar to like maybe an ugly duckling kind of story but you know, look, and so it's all pictorial. So it's actual pictures of her cat, right? And all these things. And so I, I thought it was amazing. So yeah, I'm going to go broke because every time I hear about these books, I'm like, I got to go buy that book and I got to go buy that book. And so now I got to go buy these books, especially this one that you have here because I know you have another one that's called Winnie and Her Worries, right? Winnie and Worries. And this is important. Um, so all my book, what's different about my books and, and being an author, right? I, it didn't start out my career as an author. It just kind of came uh, to me after is every book ends with actual tips and tools for educators and parents. And so these are great storybooks for children to understand and read themselves, um, for teachers to read in their classroom, but for parents to have. But every book that I have, My Friend Max and Winnie and Worries, has actual tools and techniques at the end. And so when we think about what our society, what where we are, 
2019, the level of stress and anxiety our every child has is mm-hmm. is is it's crazy. Like I said, I've got a teenager, I've got a 12 year old, I've got a little five year old, and and the stress um, that they create for themselves in terms of school, uh, you know, peers, uh, you know, will my will the expectations that they mm-hmm. even just give to them on themselves is so high that I wanted to have a book that really taught coping skills at an early age because working with teenagers now um, and and working with them in a therapy setting, um, we tend to use what's called cognitive behavioral therapy and it's very effective. But in my head, I was thinking, why aren't we doing some of these tools and techniques with everybody? Yeah, no, I mean, you're a hundred percent and I know we, I, I do this with every one of my interviews. I have no other experience to talk about other than my own, right? So I, I live my life, I, I, my daughter, and I deal with this every single day. This is probably one of the most challenging things we deal with at home is, you know, you, you, you do get those anxious moments and anxiety um, uh, uh, is something that runs in our, in, in our, in our family and my wife's side of the family. So it's something that we are um, extremely conscious of and trying to, you know, really work hard to not put the uh, so much pressure into our family life that it does cause those anxious moments. Cause I've seen my daughter get up frustrated on just the, the, the simplest things. And then all of a sudden she's so anxious about it. She's telling herself, Oh, I, I'm never going to be able to do this. Or, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm never going to be able to read or I'm just the worst student ever, which she said yesterday while we were doing homework, which I'm like, oh my goodness, this breaks my heart. So we're getting Winnie and her worries. We're going to go get that today. It really explains what a, what a worry, what worries are. It's really, it takes it back. So, so concrete for them. Um, it's got a great image of also um, these kind of physical feelings that you get when you are worried or anxious. It really identifies that. And um, like I said, a great story and it gives tools. Um, you know, we, it, I don't want to give too much away because I want you to read the book, but um, some great tools. Um, one of them is called a worry box and a worry box pretty much is when you've got worries throughout your day, you don't want it to overcome you, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, writing them out or drawing a picture of that worry and putting it in that worry box and and finding a time of day that, you know, mom and dad, and for example, your daughter can just read through those worries or look at those pictures and discuss it is is so good to compartmentalize it and just separate it. That that goes perfectly with a conversation my, my daughter and I had with each other on Sunday. Um, we were over at uh, my mom's house, her grandmother's house, and you know she was she kept getting stuck on things and not letting it go and not moving on. And I had to stop and literally sit down on the floor, right? So I'm sitting at her level, right? And and, and we had to have this uh, dad and daughter conversation that was, hey, you know what? It's okay for you to be upset about something. It's okay for you to be worried about this. It's okay, but you right. also have to remember that you can't let that completely consume you you have to be able to let it go and move on and so we had that conversation and I was very very proud of her because she understood the conversation number one and then moved on but I think a lot of times parents don't take the time to you know just have a conversation I think they would be amazed at you know even a four and five year olds ability to have an actual you know, oh, yes. a conversation on topics that are, you know, really deep and heartfelt and important components of stuff that we all need to learn at young, at young ages, you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm just valid. What you did right there was validating what her, what her, the fact that she was upset and worried and, and moving forward is, is really important. And I use the word moving forward versus moving on and, and because it just kind of gives them a little bit more of a, uh, visualization, but trying to kind of go down that road, but doesn't mean we're forgetting what it is that that was bothering them. And, and we will get back yeah, to we it. We just we can't let it consume us. It's okay that yeah. it's there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So definitely you will, uh, any parent will benefit from Winnie and her worries. It's just a great, and, t- and I made the books a little bit bigger because I want, in my head, I thought about um, your daughter, you said is in kindergarten, thought about reading it in a circle time or um, group setting and to be able to have and, and, and show uh, the kiddos and have pictures. And, and that's the reason the books are a little bit larger. No, that's, that's perfect though. I, um, I volunteer too from time to time. I'll try to go down to the school. Um, all the kids think, you know, when I go to the school, they're like, oh, your dad is a radio guy that's super cool you know and so i like to do you know the uh, um 
uh, I can't remember what they call it, junior achievement. So I'll go and I'll talk about, you know, the, the stuff that we do here at the radio station, what it means to be a media, you know, what it means to do media the right way. Um, and, and, you know, what it means to do an interview with somebody. And so we've done like little mock interviews with the five-year-olds in kindergarten class and had a bunch of fun. But yeah, this was cool because I think, um, this would be one of these books I could probably bring to the school and do, cause we do the group reading thing. And, uh, uh, my daughter is in an accelerated school for, um, uh, uh, for her age. And so they're already uh-huh. doing like second grade uh, uh-huh. reading stuff. So she can read fairly well for a five-year-old and um, does really well. So I think that would be a great story to introduce and, and, you know, have, have, and a, have, have a help. Have them. Discussion. Yeah. Exactly. Teachers, you know, my goal really writing these books, remember I, I come from an educational setting. I'm an educational psychologist is to have these books in classrooms. And, and when I tell, you know, when any, I talk to anyone, if you buy one, buy one to donate to your school because they would teachers, and educators will be so appreciative because they need tools. They need resources they to do. have these dialogues. And um, going back to my friend Max, I mean, the prevalence is 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 so different. When I started in the in the '90s, it was one in 600. And so um, the chances of your child having um, an individual with autism, a, a student in your class, is so high that I'm um, having a book like my friend Max is just a great dialogue conversation starter. Yeah, I, I had a question on autism. Um, one of the one of the things I had always wondered is because I've never really met an adult with autism. I've met a couple of kids with autism, so I understand it from that spec from from that spectrum. And I know every every kid that that has autism they're not the same every everything about them each one is unique and and, and different and and that but what is it like for someone with autism to be an adult it's well ha- imagine i mean one um it depends where you fall on that spectrum um so some individuals who are a little bit more what they call, say higher functioning um can actually um retain um jobs and, I, re- I read um, an article there was a person with autism that just passed the bar exam in florida yes i read that too yeah. i read that too. i thought that was <laughs> fabulous i mean they're there's the bright individuals some of them were very um very high you know have possessed high intelligence skills and and um routines are so important to them. I mean, one of the things I do early on with families is teaching kids flexibility because Mm -hmm. um, they do present with rigid behaviors and routines. Um, I mean, they themselves have anxiety, but as young adults, as an adult, you know, as adults, I mean, a few years ago, I was up in Los Angeles and I had gone to a residential, um, it was an institution and I was working with um, 50 and 60 year olds with autism. And so it doesn't go away. It's with them. It's just really teaching them how to compensate and cope with what they have. Um, But some of them live in group homes. Some of them still live with their families. Um, You know, some uh, live with other individuals who have um, special needs. Uh, But imagine what parents go through thinking about your child as they get older and go into stages is what, are they going to do without without me and, and having those plan you know making those life choices and decisions and and as early as three years old I'm having those talks with parents about you know their future oh that's amazing so you know what I want to do let's pause right here for just a second we're gonna take a quick commercial break okay um, uh, we'll take a quick break and then when we come back I want to wrap up the interview and just kind of have a conversation with you about um, uh, woman of the year right I heard you've been yes. nominated for that so let's take a quick commercial break guys go check us out all over social media at Radio Ryan 1 at Jeff Spinney 2 check out the Finding a Frequency website findingafrequency.net stay tuned we'll be right back become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like why do they behave the way they do if behavior issues get out of hand How do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio, every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about spring hunting pursuits, turkeys, bears, and more. Listen as our panel breaks down all the different spring hunting opportunities available across the country. Joining Jim and Travis, Nick Munn, co-host of Michael Waddell's Bone Collector, plus Nick Ventura and Tom Petrie from Become One. Jim and Trav's Spring Hunting Pursuits discussion is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. We're on with fantastic guest, Rena Patel. She's been sharing, you know, all kinds of great information about parenting, autism. Uh, and we're going to kind of shift gears just a little bit because I wanted to definitely bring up the fact that... Uh, uh, you were recently nominated for San Diego Magazine's Woman of the Year. That is amazing. Tell us about that. Oh, thank you. I had um, I found out uh, a few months ago and uh, received um, information that you know had got nominated um, for a Rising Star and uh, Woman of the Year. And what that is is someone who's just up and coming, who uh, has just started to establish herself, and um, to be amongst some of the amazing nominees and women out there in our community uh, making a difference and um, it was um, very humbling um, you know I do what I do because I love it and uh, to know that other people um, other organizations and other families uh, see my work and see what a difference um, it's making for them or even just other individuals is, is very heartwarming um, I'm very touched um, I That's just great. makes you know, it just validates what I what I do. So, hey, have you ever been to the California Women's Conference? No, I have not. Okay, well, we're gonna fix that. We're gonna have to get you oh. in there. So, I we did this. We went last year, um, and so what we did when we were there, um, you know, there's all kinds of female entrepreneurs and speakers, and you know, all those types of things. And so, it's like a a whole day long event um, at the Long Beach Convention Center, and they uh, bring in all of these fantastic speakers to talk about you know all things women related. And so, we broadcast the whole thing, all of the stage, uh, you know, all of the speakers on stage. We pulled audio from that and broadcast all of that out live, and then did some video snippets. And then at the end, um, we gave away an entire radio show series for a year um, to uh, uh, we had people that were women. They were, you know, writing in as contestants and they had to, you know, write why they would be the, you know, the, the best host for the show. What are they doing to, you know, push female initiatives and, oh, and help the that. community and all that. So then we gave um, this woman, Debbie Montgomery, who ended up winning the radio show. Um, but, yeah, I think that's something that we, I'd love to expose you to that because this is the, this is 
is the same type of stuff like what you do with, you know, the kids and what you're doing with all that and how you're helping to really change lives and uh, and, and educate people on the proper uh, or, or different ways that they can go about parenting and all that. I think that, you know, uh, to get you involved with that community and would be fantastic. This is like, I think, probably a very perfect fit. And we have a bunch of radio show hosts that are already on Voice America that are part of that. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to get you there. Um, I'll, I'll find out the dates on that and we'll connect. But uh, uh, after that, I'm going to let you know. But yeah, we should get you to the California Women's Conference. Oh, that would be wonderful. I would love that opportunity. Fantastic. Well, you know, this has been a very, very cool interview. Um, tell the listening audience where they can find more information about you, Rena. Where do they get your books and all that good stuff? Wonderful. Well, um, first stop, my website, um, www.rena, R-E-E-N-A-B, Patel, P-A-T-E-L.com. Um, you can find my book information. All my book, all my books are on Amazon. And like I said, um, Barnes and Nobles online. Um, and then you can also follow me on social media. Um, my Instagram at Rena B Patel and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. And I look forward to uh, meeting all of you. And I want to leave with one of my favorite, um, quotes and in a world where you can be anything, um, I say, be kind. And so, um, please um, remember that. Oh, those are fantastic words. Be kind. You know, uh, that's one thing that my mom always told me that it doesn't cost you any money to be kind. No, it costs no. nothing, you know, and it goes a long way, right? It, it sure does. It sure does. I was uh, stopping at the gas station yesterday on my way home and uh, our one of our audio engineers, uh, he his name is Aaron. Uh, he he actively participates in what's called the be kind movement. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, and, and also what's called random act of kindness. Uh, uh -huh. And so I'm going to challenge you. Uh, to hashtag random act of kindness, okay. right? And so when you're out yeah. there in your everyday life, you know, um, and but you have to you have to publicize it on social media, right? So when you do that random act of kindness, you know, uh, an example. So Aaron was driving home yesterday. He's on the freeway. He notices that there's a car pulled over. They have a flat tire. The person's just standing there, right? Not changing the tire. So he's like, oh, maybe they need help. He pulls over, and sure enough, uh, the the guy like didn't know how to change a tire. He didn't have road roadside assistance. He wasn't quite sure what to do. So Aaron's like, oh, well, pop your thing. I'll change your tire for you and change the tire. And then they took a selfie together. And, you know, that right there is what a uh, random act of kindness is. So yes. I want to challenge you, Rena, to a random act of kindness. Yes, uh, absolutely. Let's challenge everyone. I think that's I agree. great. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys go check out Rena's website, renabpatel.com. And of course, you can check out the books on Amazon. Uh, My Friend Max, a story about a friend with autism and Winnie and her worries, uh, which came out in 2018, also on Amazon. Rena, thank you so much for joining us on Finding Your Frequency today. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. All you guys out there listening, I don't know how you're listening, whether you're listening on Voice America, podcast, iTunes, you know, all of those applications you have on your phone. But either way, make sure you subscribe. Uh, give us a nice review. Five stars. We love those ones. Uh, keep up the good work. Spread the love. Uh, random act of kindness. Don't forget that, guys. Uh, go check out our website, findingyourfrequency.net. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Radio Ryan One. Jeff is at Jeff Spinney Two. Uh, and we thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for some more fantastic content from Finding of frequency right here at voiceamerica.com.